Amen. So, today's talk, as decreed from one high, um, is do you have a plan? And there's lots of plans that we can make, and lots of plans that have been made and will be made. Um, I'm planning to go for a walk with my dog tomorrow. My wife is planning to come back from America next week. I'm really hoping she does, because I miss her. (laughs) And Jen spoke so excellently on evangelism and mission. But this morning, we're particularly looking at, do you have a plan when it comes to mission? So, I thought we'd start by putting some statements on the screen. The first one, mission is really fun. The second, it's easier than you think it is. And the third, most of the time, we make it harder than it needs to be. Mission is fun. It's easier than you think it is. Most of the time, we make it harder than it needs to be. And I don't know what, you, what your reaction to that is. Maybe some of you going, yes, come on, get me out of this church. Let's go do something. Why are we sitting here with all this light, as Jen was so excellently saying? So much light. I heard it once said that Christians are like manure. Have you heard this one before? Christians are like manure, anyone? It's really great when spread nice and thinly over a wide area, preferably flower beds, but horribly smelly when piled up in a corner. And, and to me, that speaks so much. Like, actually, we are called... There we go. Sinking in. Uh, we are called to be salt and light in the earth, to be spread out into those dark places. And amazing. Like, go join a gym. Go find a dark place, the place that um, God is calling you. But mission is fun. It's easier than you think it is. And most of the time, we make it harder than it needs to be. By the end of this talk, I hope that you would agree with... All of them, but if not all, at least more than you might know. Stevie said, we're going through a series on um, slow and strong, a, a word that Caroline felt that God was giving to our church, um, a call to move together as a family, not just some of us racing off into the distance and leaving others behind, but how can we as a family move together, keep unity, build strong patterns and rhythms as a church? And, and when it comes to mission, I think that's not what I think about. Slow and strong, doing it as a family, is not what I think about when it comes to mission. So often it's Jen, amazing Jen, go join a gym by herself. And then I'll wait and I'll hear stories and we'll celebrate with her, you know, when the whole gym becomes a Christian on one day and it's Pentecost. And we will miss revival at probably the Excel Center, but it's just up the road so we can go and watch. Mission is not a solo sport for the super brave and the super courageous. It's for all of us, not just those who can hear God's voice as clear as day, while the rest of us watch from the sidelines and make cups of tea or coffee. We can pray for them, yes, but actually God's call to us as a family is to be a missional church. God's call to us as a family is to travel together. As our beloved leader says, everyone gets to play. He's not here, so you can tell him. I actually referenced him. So I guess the question is, starting from where we are, 
how can we all be involved in mission? And that's kind of why I put these up there, is I feel like there's some strongholds here that maybe some of these statements might be bringing up in you about mission, about evangelism. Maybe there's people here who don't think it's actually something that we should be doing. Maybe there's people here who aren't even Christians yet, and actually they need to hear, you need to hear today that there is a God who loves you. But, but for all of us to step into mission, we have to break it down. It can't just be for those super Christians who are passionate, who are super brave and super courageous. So as we go through, I'm hoping and praying that maybe God would start working on your hearts, on your minds about some of these, and maybe taking down some of those strongholds. I mean, that's why we come to church, right? To come and be formed by the word, to come and align our thinking with what God says is true. I'm really aware of what the world tells me. I'm really aware of how I feel and my experience. But we know that the Bible calls us into mission. So, mission is fun, the first one. Is it fun? A show of hands, who has had fun whilst doing mission? Oh, quite a few, brilliant. For the rest of you, I I hope and pray that you would experience some of it. It's not just fun because it's a fun thing to do on a bank holiday afternoon. It's fun because actually it means something. It's fun because it's not just Jesus went off to heaven and just left us and like Jesus needed a team and was like, oh, you'll do. It's fun because actually this is part of God's plan. God's plan is to bless us and then we get to give it away. And as we give it away, we get to join in in that story. We get to go to those dark places, not scared, but confident that actually God is going before us. I'm struck by the verse in uh, John 4 where Jesus says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And this is in the story where his disciples have gone shopping effectively um, and come back and he's like, nah, I'm, uh, I'm full. And they're like, where did you get this food? Why did we travel all this distance to go get you some food that you're not going to go eat? And it's really hot and it's probably going to go to waste. But Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And our prayer as a church is that we would experience some of that. Not just as a concept that we are a missional church or some people in our church will be missional and the rest of us can support and pray and encourage and pastor and disciple. Actually, no, all of us are called to be on mission together. At the start of the year, I was really struggling with this if I'm really honest. Um, I was tired. I was probably a bit burnt out. Um, And I was like, why? What are we doing? Like, in my life, I know I've prayed and I've tried and I've done things and they haven't worked. And I was like, 2019, that's a long year. And if if I'm just going to try it again, like, God, would you, like, speak to me? God, would you give me some energy for this? And, um, as it happens, he pointed me to uh, Matthew 9, verse 37 to 38, which I'm sure so many of you will know. And it's actually the verse before the passage for David, which we'll read in a second. And it says, um, it's the bit where Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And again, it's that invitation. (laughs) Jesus saying that the harvest is true. And all he's saying is, let's pray. Let's be part of a team who are praying for mission. But also, let's consider the fact that we are actually part of that team of laborers to be sent into the harvest. And one of the amazing things about this church is that we can stand and we can sing and we can sing so loudly and so well and so passionately. Which to me speaks that there's something about this gospel, there's something about the cross, there's something about mission that we have experienced for ourselves. You take a song like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch. I mean, now if Edwards to pick that this morning or any point, I'm sure all of us would be up, hands in the air, like belting it out. We believe it, we mean it. And maybe that was then, and maybe things have got harder since then, but, but we all have had a moment, or if you haven't yet, I really hope you do, where we have had a touch from God. And mission is all about that. That's all mission is. It's telling, as Stevie said last week, telling one beggar, telling a second beggar where to find bread. That's all it is. Just pointing people in the direction where we have found life, where we have found hope where we have found identity and meaning. Because there are people out there who so desperately need to know that they have a saviour whose name is Jesus, who came and died to restore relationship with him, to save them from the consequences of their sin. They need to know they have a father who loves and cares and provides for them. And they can lean back in his loving arms and find rest and identity and safety. They need to know they have a Holy Spirit who is so powerful And so gentle, who wants each one of us to be filled, to not be running on empty, to be joining in with part of changing this hurting and broken world. So, mission is fun, yes, but it's also essential. And I guess the invitation is please, like, have a go. Please, like, just because someone stood on the screen. Consider it for a moment. Maybe that's not enough to convince you yet, but we'll carry on. Point two, it's easier than you think it is. And this is the one where everyone often will tell me I'm wrong. They'll tell me all the reasons why it's really hard and we need to be really sensitive and really careful. All the reasons why it's failed in the past. All the reasons why they're actually dealing with disappointment. And if you're dealing with disappointment because you have tried and it hasn't gone well, like come and get prayer at the end of the service. But I can promise you it's easier than you think it is because that verse, the harvest is ripe, is either true, and Jesus said it, or it is not. Either the harvest is ripe and Jesus is a truthful man, or it's not. And I guess the call is just to believe on that. Jesus, you said the harvest is ripe. I don't see that. There's that verse, I think it's in Matthew, where the, this guy comes to Jesus and goes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, I want to believe what you've just told me, but it feels so untrue. It feels so far away from my experience. Help my unbelief. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. 
nothing. God's opening doors, God's leading the way. And our job is just to love the person in front of us, just to step into that. And we'll look at the passage in a second, and that's, there's so much more to say, but let's move on to point three. Most of the time, we make it harder than it needs to be. As I was praying and, and wrestling with, with a passage and what I felt, what God wanted to share, what God was, what I felt like God was saying he wanted to share, me to share, um, I know in my life, too often, I evaluate my success or failure in mission by the outcome. Um, like, I try, and after 30 minutes, if it hasn't worked, it didn't work. And I'm so up for that instant result. And as a result, I can then turn around and I can build a, a mindset that it isn't fun, that it's really hard. But actually, the outcome isn't actually even up to us. God says that the harvest is plentiful. Pray for workers. Pray for harvesters. And then he says, go. And we'll look at the passage now. So in Matthew 10, verse 1 to 15, let's read it together. No, I'll read it. And then too many words. Jesus called his... 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. We then have a nice list of names. Don't test me. I probably messed them up. These 12, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or coffer to take with you in your belt. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. And stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. And truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than that for that town. And for me, growing up, like this is the millionth time I've ever read that passage, but it always struck me as weird where Jesus is like, just get up, shake your dust off, move on. But actually in the context of the harvest is ripe, surely that is the right thing to do. If the harvest isn't ripe in that house, in that place, then actually there's a call to do that. And I think in this passage there's probably four. Let's go with four. Four questions which we'll look at in a second that I'd love to draw out just to help us think about mission. Breaking it down into really simple steps that we can get our hearts and head around as we make a plan. And the question, the, the title of the sermon is, do you have a plan? And when I was asking Caroline, why, what? Like, why are we talking about, do you have a plan? We were chatting about how 
there's so many things in life that can steal our attention, steal our focus. I know Karenz and I have pensions where we're saving money for 35 years' time. I know I've got a summer holiday booked. You know, we have so many plans, both short and near. But actually, I, I was, as, as we were talking and as I was praying, I realized that not having a plan for mission is basically having, it's still a plan, but maybe the plan is that other people are going to do the mission and you're not. And maybe that's harsh, but I think there's a nugget of truth there, actually. The call of God for each one of us is to make disciples. And when we're talking about plans, let's be real. It's not the first plan that will be the right plan that you will live by for the rest of your life. It's just the first plan. I don't know if any of you remember the first mobile phone that was ever invented. Some smiles. It was huge. And that was just the first version. If, If that was as far as we got, we're like, this is all mobile phones will ever be. No, they're getting better and they're getting faster and they're getting more expensive. Um, but, they, but, but, but the world is moving on, and, and, and that's just a plan. Plan for the next iPhone, plan for the next Samsung, plan for the next who even knows what, which isn't even a phone. It's maybe just in our faces as a pair of glasses. Who knows? But, but as a church, we just need to start somewhere. Make the first plan for mission, knowing it will change. Maybe a hundred times, maybe a million times. So in Matthew 10, I think there's four questions that might help us um, just as we wrestle with mission, as we think about a plan. And my plan, my plan, is to um, finish talking in not very long, um, to give us some time to, to wrestle with this, to maybe dwell on some of these questions and maybe just start version one of the plan. The beta version, not properly version one yet, but nearly there. Um, so in verse 1, Jesus called his 12 apostles to him and gave them authority. And, I was, and as I was thinking about how, what plans can we make, how can we break mission down to a really simple and achievable thing? The first question is, who, Jesus called his team together. He wasn't going to go alone. And these disciples, whose names I didn't dare or mess up, um, weren't these amazing super apostles that we maybe now think they are. They were just some random, ragtag group of people who had spent time with Jesus and were up for a challenge. And as we're making plans, as we're thinking about mission, I guess the first question is, that first one there, who are your team? Who can you go with? It can be really lonely. It can be really discouraging. It can feel really hard. But we've already said mission is fun. Mission is easy. And maybe one of the reasons it's harder than we think is we're trying so hard to go it alone. And maybe that's happened for a good reason. Maybe that hasn't happened for a good reason. Maybe you're the only Christian in your workplace. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. But who could be there for you? Who could be there around you? Where you could have a, a weekly conversation. How's it going? Encouraging each other, supporting each other. Step one of a plan. Who is the team? Who are the people that God is calling you to do mission with? Question two, where are you called to do? Where are you called to go? In verse five, Jesus clearly says, do not go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, which isn't like a racial 
slur. It was at that time. Jesus had been preparing them to, to be speaking with the people like them. The people who they were friends with, the people who they were families with, the people who were like them. Cross-cultural mission is great, but this wasn't the point here in Matthew 10. And it might, you might be waiting for this big Damascus Road moment where it all becomes clear and you have a five-year plan about how your whole neighborhood is going to become Christians. But, and that happens for some people, but it doesn't happen for me. But what I do know is that there's a person who I go to the gym with, who I used to work with, who needs to hear about Jesus. I know that my aunt isn't a Christian and needs to hear about Jesus at some point. And just keeping our eyes open, keeping our eyes open to the people around us, to the situations around us, where there is that little bit more darkness, where we can bring a little bit more light, a little bit more hope. Don't be super worried about getting it wrong. Just start somewhere. Start with the people in front of you. The people who (laughs) scan your groceries at Sainsbury's. The, The postman. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be big or fancy. Just start praying for them. Start asking God, how can I be involved in mission? And this is the person in front of me. And it will change a million times. Theoretically, this is the thing that works. So people will become Christians, and then you will need to find other non-Christians to pray for. You'll need to find other Christians, non-Christians, to tell about Jesus. This is an iterative process, but we need to start somewhere. So today, where are you called to go? Third question, what are you going to say? In the passage, it's so much about miracles and healings, and I'm so up for that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I would love to be, for myself, for my community, our church, like a family who see the dead raised, to see the sick healed all the time, and have that as part of our mission. But if that isn't you, if that's scary, if that's not how God has been using you, that doesn't mean you get to sit out of mission. No, you get to bring yourself. The stories that God has done in your life. What are you going to say? And maybe with your team, maybe with the people in mind, maybe you might need a bit of practice. Literally, actually practice. Talking about testimonies, talking about the things God has done in your life is powerful. It could change someone's life. And the fourth question, which I found really hard, but that bit at the end, when is it time to stop? If we really believe that the harvest is ripe, if we really believe that there are people right now who would love to hear about Jesus and would, would respond, and go, I've been waiting months to hear about Jesus, thank you for telling me. Then it is right to be aware of there might be something you need to stop doing. Time to move on, time to find where the harvest is. Some of you might have heard I was thinking about fishing to do with this. It's a long story. I wasn't going to get into it. But if you're fishing or trying to fish on a boat and there are no fish, the logical, sensible thing to do is to go to a different part of the river 
to go to a different part of the lake and see if there are some fish there. And that's not a crime. That's not a problem. That's not something we find on hard. That's such a logical thing to do. Fourth question. When is it time to stop? When is it time to move on? And in all of this, I know we want to be Holy Spirit-filled, sensitive people who can hear the voice of God on a day-by-day or minute-by-minute basis. But that's still also a work in progress. That's still a plan that is being carried out. I can hear God sometimes really clearly. And other times, particularly when it comes to mission, it just feels like he's super quiet. But we know in his Bible that the harvest is ripe. And I'm not saying in the place of not being able to hear from God, just like power through in your own strength. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we've got to start somewhere. There are people who need Jesus today. They need to hear about Jesus today. And we get to be part of a team, a family, who make plans and change our plans and start again with a seventh version of the plan and maybe change the team or maybe find a new place to go or maybe time to stop going to one gym or start going to a second gym or start shopping at Sainsbury's at a different time or who knows what. We get to be a team who are on mission, who will see stories, who will see fruit. So back to my three statements at the top. Mission is fun. Maybe you're convinced, maybe you're not. In some ways, it doesn't matter. You're still called and commanded to do it. Like, you can't change the Bible. Sorry. It's easier than you think it is. Let's make God's problems God's problems. Let's do our little bit. So according to the plan, the plan, it looks like we have time. So this is good. I'd love us to just maybe in response, maybe turn to the person next to you. Um, Phil, if we could go to the four questions, that'd be great. Um, And just have a chat. Maybe start processing. Maybe there's someone you know really well. And maybe this will be rich fodder for a lunchtime conversation about how Arun is wrong. Um, You start that conversation now. I'd I'd love that. Um, but, But start talking about maybe some of the plans. Do you have a plan for mission? Which one of these fours would be the first to maybe start looking at? We've got some time. Turn to pairs and have a chat.